to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Welcome to a special edition of this Grit and Grace Life podcast. This is a unique episode featuring a few extra voices. So first off, I just want to apologize for the fact that yours truly, Julie here, recorded it in my closet in Southwest Florida while Darlene and our guests were on 4th of July vacation in their beautiful mountain retreat. So forgive us in advance for some of the sound quality, but I know you're going to love this fun behind the scenes conversation about Darlene's new book officially available today, Raising Great Girls. So let's jump in to this conversation. Hey, hey, lady friends, and welcome to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast. It is your friend shy, quiet, just kidding, <laughs> talkative co-host, Julie Graham in the house. Yeah, yeah, those descriptors I might have to change up just a little bit, Julie Graham. Uh, this is Darlene Brock, co-host of This Grit and Grace Life, and today's kind of fun for me, a little scary, but kind of fun too. Well, friends, I can guarantee that you are in for a treat today, and not because I'm sitting in my closet. That's just weird. Um, <laughs> because we have not one, but two guests joining the show today. Dar, why don't you introduce our friends? Because you're pretty close with them, aren't you? Oh, I know them just a little bit. Yes, Julie Graham. Uh, I am <laughs> actually excited and honored to have my two daughters joining us, Lauren. Hello. My elder <laughs> and Chelsea, my youngest. Um, and so I'm thrilled that they've joined us today. Welcome, Lauren. Thanks, Mommy. We're excited to be here. We it, really believe in and, and support what our mom is doing. And so we're excited to be able to be a part of it. Yeah. And Lauren's our crier. So yeah, occasionally yeah, she will cry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then Chelsea, my younger daughter. <laughs> the one that we Hi, had to world. kind of twist her arm to do this, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm equally as happy to be here for sure. This is very special. We decided to do this episode because um, sometimes I just like to tell Dar what to do, right? Oh, occasionally, yes. <laughs> we have this really exciting thing happening here at the Grit and Grace Project, and it is the release of Darlene's book, raising great girls. And because I can attest to the fact that she has truly raised great girls, I thought that we should bring those girls onto the show and give them an opportunity to um, share a little bit about what it was like being a Brock girl, um, being raised by uh, hers truly, as I've just decided that that's a phrase. But I wanted to just kind of pick you guys, pick your brains a little bit about what it was like being raised by the one and only Darlene Brock. But first, can you just real quick... Um, Lauren, you're the eldest, right? I am. Introduce yourself to our friends. So tell us where you live, what you do for work, and one just fun fact about yourself. Oh, boy. Whenever people ask me where I live, I'm always like, uh, uh, because I'm pretty much a nomad these days. I travel for work. Uh, my son's three and a half, so I have a three and a half year old little boy. And the easiest way to kind of understand where I live is that he's lived in five states since he was born. So I started in Florida, and then Indiana, and then North Carolina, and then California, and then in New Orleans, Louisiana, most recently. So we bounce around. I work in film production. And as my mom will tell you, since I was very little, it's what I've always wanted to do. And I feel very, very blessed to 
to actually be able to do what it is I love doing. Oh, and I don't know, what was it, a fun fact or something? I mean, I kind of think that is a fun fact, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. Thanks, Julie. (laughs) I'm Chelsea, and I live in North Carolina with my husband, and I am an elementary school teacher. And I She does that because she teaches elementary school teachers. All day with my kids. Um, And I love anything adventurous and dangerous to do, like jump out of planes and jump off cliffs. And And scuba diving. And and, scuba dive. And I don't know, anything like that that's fun. Yeah. Because you only live once. So there you go. That's right. YOLO. So you guys are all together right now. You um, are having a little family mini mini vacay reunion. What's going on there? As a lot of people know, we have a home in the mountains. And every 4th of July, this community has this huge celebration with fireworks and snow cones and uh, bounce houses and, you know, family fun. So it's kind of an annual, um, I guess, what we do every year is we join ourselves together in this mountain retreat and go enjoy it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I love that you guys um, literally took some time to um, get on and chat with me and have given me free reign to just ask you anything, which I'm super excited about. You guys know that I like to kind of push the envelope a little bit. Um, So here we go. We're just going to dive on in because I I know as a first time mom myself and now a single mom, um, I definitely look to Darlene for wisdom for um, encouragement when I feel like I'm definitely screwing up my kid. I usually try to talk to Darlene first because she just has this, you know, coolness about her where I know she's going to give me really sound advice, but she's also going to make me feel like I'm um, not crazy and that it's all going to be okay in the end. So um, as I've gotten to know you guys, Lauren and Chelsea, it's been really fun to see the way that she has shaped you guys um, has been really evident. And I know that that's the kind of thing I want to do as I raise up my little guy. So you, you've written this book, Darlene, you've written Raising Great Girls, and I was reviewing it yesterday. And real quick, tell me a little bit about why you wrote the book. Um, because I'm going to then ask them if you accomplished what you set out to do. What? Oh, whoa, that's a little terrifying <laughs> for a, a mother of adult daughters. Um, but be honest, girls, okay. Uh, I wrote it because I think there is so much pressure on moms to do it all perfect, to do it all right, to get every single thing, uh, every goal that they ever created for their child to feel like they achieved it. And I kind of want to take that off. I want to say... Good enough is actually good enough. And, you know, when I wrote this, I said perfection's not required because perfection doesn't exist, and so don't put it on yourself. And then the other thing I really wanted to push is if you can raise confident and capable girls, they can get through virtually anything. They will have their struggles. They will have their challenges. But, you know, those those that are within them, those character traits that are within them will help them manage whatever gets thrown their way. So anyway, because I worked, you know, outside of the home, as the girls will probably attest how insane it was, um, Mm. you know, I always broke things down into jobs. So every chapter in this book is a job, a particular one, not done all at the same time, not with all the same pressures, but it kind of breaks it down to, I think, a doable task. 
Yeah, I love that. I actually really the, love the way that you outlined the book and put it into job titles. I've not seen anything like it. Um, and I was definitely searching the, you know, self-help mom book section when I found out I was having my um, son. So um, definitely written from a different perspective. So real quick, girls, have you read the book? Yeah, Be absolutely. Honest. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, <we> have. <laughs> All right. Well, then, Chelsea, I'm going to you first. Do you think that your mom actually did the thing she wrote about? Yes, 100%. And just like she said, it's, you know, jobs that take place at different times and different seasons. You know, it's not that you're juggling 13 jobs all at one time. It's that, you know, as your kids are at different ages and different stages that you'll kind of pull from, you know, one job more than another. But, you know, just to be aware that there are so many roles and hats that you'll, you know, take on and wear um, and just to kind of prepare yourself and know that you can take on those jobs and accomplish them. And I've definitely seen that firsthand from her. Lauren, you are a mama too. I mean, this book is, you know, not necessarily for us boy moms. It's definitely written to um, the ladies out there who are raising the future strong grit and grace women of the next generation. Um, but as a mom, what's, what's something you take, take away from it, um, that you do want to put into your parenting as you raise cute little baby Brock? Oh, wow. Um, well, just to go back to the book, I remember reading the book on an airplane and the gentleman that I was sitting next to got to enjoy an entire flight with me literally (laughs) crying, laughing, vastly entertained with this, you know, the stories I was reliving it. I was remembering oh, this happened and I had forgotten about that. And oh, when Chelsea did, you know, whatever thing Chelsea did. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it had all sorts of funny moments and relatable moments and good memories and lessons learned. Um, but as a mom now, I think I think the biggest thing across the board, whether you're raising boys and girls, is that it roots in caring. It roots in, oh, see, I'm going to cry. This is just going to be a podcast for me. I'm trying not to cry. Uh, But no, it does. It roots in that you really care to do a good job by your children. And, you know, whether you're kind of messing it up one day or not, or think that you're kind of off course, if you have that base of really genuinely caring for that baby, you're going to be okay. Yes, you are. Okay. <laughs> I feel like this is when Darlene steps in and gives you some motherly advice on how well of a job you're doing. Did you want to do that now, Dar? I actually, I was just ready to do that to Julie because she is doing a great job as you're doing a great job. And, mm-hmm. and what she said is true is you care, you care about it. Your purpose is to do a great job and you will, you simply will just trust that. Okay. So Chelsea, Darlene's written this book kind of trying to make motherhood seem doable by giving it these jobs. Um, is there one, one of your favorite childhood memories that maybe is or isn't included in the book that you can think of that really just kind of summarizes the way your mom approached being that busy working mom, but still making you, um, a priority? I would say with my mom that she always was up for anything and, you know, if we wanted to try something new, she would say, sure, have at it. I'll do it with you. I'll help you do it. Um, and never, you know, like if something was important to us and, you know, even if it was something maybe unusual or scary or weird or whatever, you know, if it mattered to us and we wanted to try it, she was there to do it with us. So, you know, I can think of, you know, for instance, like in something talked about in the book is in uh, second grade when I wanted to dye my hair pink. 
And mm-hmm. most mothers of second graders would say, heck no, you're in second grade. You're not dying your hair pink. But, <laughs> you know, my mom was like, sure, you want to dye your hair pink? We could do it. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the fact that she, you know, saw that that was something I want to do was important to me. And she realized it was not a, you know, a vital make or break issue for a child. Um, you know, she dyed my hair pink for me in her bathroom. And, um, and that's always something just cemented in my mind and, I can remember going to school the next day and I can remember one particular kid saying, your mom let you do that. She's so <laughs> cool. My mom would never let me do that. And just, you know, like just realizing, you know, how wonderful it is to have a mom that, you know, didn't care necessarily about the outward things, but cared most about her heart and doing things together. And she saw that as an opportunity for us to make a special memory and do something different. And, um, you know, she just always prioritized that rather than, you know, doing, you know, having the cliche, like, you know, mom rules if you can't dye your hair in second grade, but instead said, Sure. Have at it. Let's do it together. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to tell you the downside of that philosophy as a mother. When Chelsea was in fifth or sixth grade, grade, Mm -hmm. okay. So the church is going to this one day or two day camp and it's a mother, daughter, mother, child Mm -hmm. thing. And it happened to have, you know, zip lines and the ropes between the, the course, the course that you could go in the trees. And so we go and it's like, all right, you know, the kids get to go and Chelsea's like, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm going to go, I'm scared, I'm scared. And so she does it because she's so brave and she does the whole ropes course. She comes down and I go, cool, let's go back to the cabin now. And she's like, no, mom, you're going to do it. And I'm like, are you serious? So, you know, if you say go for it, child, that means when they look you at you. You need to go for it too. You, you have no choice. You get up there and you go as fast as you can to get through that tree thing and yes. get down back to the ground. So, you know, there is a downside to it because right. your kids will look at you and go, if I get to do it, why shouldn't you? That's right. I do think Chelsea touched on something really good and really important. Um My mom definitely instilled in us, it doesn't matter if you have 42 piercings and pink hair or blue hair or spiky hair, or if you're, you know, black or white or orange or yellow or purple or whatever in the world, what matters is your heart. And I was really raised with that, you know, thought process and that mentality. And I think that's really, really important, especially in today's world, that your outward appearance, you know, doesn't matter at all. And you should be able to express yourself creatively in the way you dress and the way you do your hair. But what really, really matters is is your heart. Having worked with her now for, what, two and a half years? Yeah, um, I can personally attest to that that is definitely the philosophy that she views all areas of life, not just mothering and parenting. And so I definitely appreciate you guys highlighting that about her because it is, it is rare these days and worth um, mentioning for sure. Darlene, I want to ask you this question. You, you put these job descriptions into the book. And of course, we're going to put a link in the show notes for um, getting a copy of this as quickly as possible. But what job title that you write about do you feel like you struggled with the most? Time management. <laughs> really, <laughs> time management. And I think a lot of moms will say that. You know, some of the other jobs are kind of one-offs. You teach them about relationships or you teach them about... Uh, you know, media and that, you know, how to, how to handle media, how to, what to hear, what not to hear, listen, watch, whatever. But time management seems to be constant. You know, what's important to your family? Does your child need to be involved in every single event 
sport, uh, art, music, whatever. And, you know, you're working, at least I was, a full-time job at the very least. I traveled a lot. And, you know, managing time and choosing priorities seemed to be something I had to revisit on a regular basis. What really mattered to me. Um, I like that you said you had to revisit it because I know personally, as a mom, I have this stupid, if I'm being honest, idea that I should be able to master something and not struggle with it again. And if that's not true in any other area in my life, why would it be true in my motherhood that I'm going to all of a sudden learn something and never struggle with it again? So I appreciate you saying you have to revisit things. Yeah, and, I'd be, I would be curious too, to hear what the girls think of how we juggled because they lived it. They lived the Let's get on the tour bus and go to the show and then let's stay home. And then mom goes to the video editing bay. And what did you say the other day? You were rollerblading around the parking lot of the editing bay. Yes. Yeah. So so from your perspective, you know, I'd like to know, Chelsea, how did it look from your perspective? Honestly, it's funny because I've asked mom before, I don't know how you did it. How did you juggle all of those things? You know, because she never made us feel like, we were not getting enough time from her. You know, she always made sure that when she was with us, that she was fully present and she was listening and she was, you know, spending quality time with us. And so, you know, I never felt like I was lacking in time from her, even though she was working full time and she was traveling a lot. Honestly, like it never, it never felt that way. So I think, you know, I know today with the internet and social media and things, it's, it's harder sometimes to have someone's full attention these days. So, you know, one thing I would say to, you know, mothers, just making sure like when you're with your child to be fully present, you know, to not be on your computer because it's easy to do work from home or be on your phone or whatever. And that was one nice thing of us growing up that we didn't have the smartphone with us 24 seven, you know, so just being mindful that even if your time is limited, because maybe you work full time, you travel to whatever it may be, you know, that you are making sure that there's quality time spent with your child uninterrupted, even if it's limited time, because that's what they will remember. And that's what I remember. I agree. Yeah, we never felt it. I knew I could call my mom in the middle of a meeting and she would answer. I knew I could reach her anytime. And I think I loved growing up in that world so much. I've kind of made my grown-up life very similar. Like I'm always on the go and traveling and seeing all sorts of different places and doing it with the family unit. And, you know, I think I saw how it was successfully executed that I'm hopeful I could do it as well. I'm sure trying. I love that even though you guys are grown now, um, what you just said, Lauren, that I could call her and she would answer in the middle of the meeting. I, I feel like you call us every week in the middle of our meeting. She does still answer. answers. <laughs> <laughs> and I've actually thought that on multiple occasions. Like, you know, we're doing big things here at the Grit and Grace Project and our <laughs> meetings are very important. But I want... I watch your mom. She does. She steps away to answer your guys' call. Um, and I notice that and I appreciate that. And I respect that about her. Me too. So Dar, um, I'm going to ask them which one of these job descriptions they think that maybe wasn't your best. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. You've got I like to look that. In front of you, keep it real. Which one do you think, eh, this one was maybe not her best. Yeah. So maybe in home demonstrator, I do remember being in fifth grade and really wanting to shave my legs. And I, <laughs> everybody laughs. 
Real sure. quick, I can't remember the last time I shaved my legs, but <laughs> do tell us about how desperate you were to start. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm like 12, 13 years old. This was really, really important to me. Oh, totally. Um, and I believe our housekeeper at the time, Becky, bought me a razor and shaving cream and basically sent me on my way. So there was no in-home demonstrating. There was just Lauren in the shower <laughs> trying to figure out how this razor situation worked. I guess I figured it out. Do you remember coming home, darling, and being like, oops, probably was supposed to walk you through that one? Yeah, no. Actually, I don't. She probably hid her legs at that point. Now, was this because fifth grade was too early, you thought, darling, or are you just... Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't think it... it and- yeah, I didn't think it through. Was it like, uh, it wasn't like I was processing, oh, it's the season where my daughter probably <laughs> wants to shave her legs or wear a bra or whatever. It's not like I went, oh, as a mother, I need to think about their landmarks, quote unquote, it was more, oh, I guess you're that age now. How did that happen? So having, having been raised by a mom that you're very close to, do you guys want to have daughters yourselves? They look terrified. Honestly, if you could see their faces right now, you know, audience, they both look like they are terrified. (laughs) You know what? If God so chooses for that to happen, I've knocked the microphone. This has gone sideways officially. But yes, if God so chooses for that to happen, sure. I'll roll with it. I do love being a boy mom, though. I'm kind of built to be a boy mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've always said I would prefer boys, ironically, just because we're all girls, but cause you know, I think I, I just always appreciate that boys are a little less drama and a little less emotional and can go outside and roll in the dirt and all those things that I would like to do. So <laughs> I've yeah. always said, Oh, boys must be easier. Right. But then I wouldn't really know because we didn't have any brothers. So, you know, I know boys have Funny. their challenges as well, but I at least know, you know, yes, if God chose to give me daughters that I would be reading this book over and over again <laughs> and, you know, being reminded of how my mom did a great job and I will attempt to do the same. You know, what's so funny to me listening to you guys, I, I appreciate the fact that you think I did a great job. You know, I'm running back through in my brain, the times of terror I looked at you if you were 13 and you would go, you know, you know, mom, I hate you. And you'd stop up the stairs and I'd be like, she's going to hate me for the rest of her life. And I have totally screwed up because I said everything I should not have said. And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember stomping up the stairs furious at me, but I still watched that little stomp, stomp, stomp in the door slam. And we loved you again in about an hour, so yeah. it was short-lived. You <laughs> did, but, you know, at that moment as a mom, you're thinking, is this, I'm a failure. This is not going to work. Yeah, you know, I do remember those times. And I specifically, and will always, there's two instances where my mom collected items in the house that I wasn't treating properly. One of them being my clothes. Like I left my clothes all over the floor in my bedroom. And so she put them in what we lovingly called clothes jail and picked them up (laughs) on the floor. Yes. And put, and I was very mad and put them in a bin in her closet. And I was not allowed to have them back until I proved that I would treat my clothes with respect. And the other one was my Bible. At the time I wasn't, reading my Bible or appreciating my Bible. And she gathered up all the Bibles and hid them away. And I was like, all of a sudden it was really important to me to have that Bible. Like it was like, because she had taken it, I needed it and I needed it now. But she really, you know, was able to make a point that has stuck with me to this day with those things, um, respecting and appreciating the things that you do have 
And just when they went away, it kind of dawned on me that they were of value. And so, yeah, and I remember I probably did stomp up the stairs when you locked my clothes away. <laughs> oh, no, what you did, if you remember right, it was in your bedroom. I'm gathering them. You threw yourself on the floor. You locked your arms around my leg. <laughs> and I drug you across your bedroom holding these clothes while you're screaming, I won't put them down again. I promise don't take them away. And I literally drug you seven feet across the bedroom yeah. <laughs> until you finally let go and surrender. And I I've never won for the dramatics. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So I'm curious, Dar, that idea that you had, to, what does that fall under? What job, what job title does that fall under? Mm, I, I kind of think it's coach because you kind of okay. have to set the rules. You have to set the expectations that you have to determine what conduct is acceptable, what conduct is not, what priorities. And it, honestly, it wasn't as much about the clothes. It was more about the, I wanted her to appreciate the fact that she grew up in a home that could give her things that a lot of other people couldn't have. You know, it's always drilling back to the heart issue that you're wanting to create in your child, not that particular item. And, you know, at some point you run out of punishments. You go, I have no idea what to do next. So, hey, how about clothes jail? You know, you just start coming up with new concepts. Okay, I want to talk about two mom fails on Darlene's part. One for each daughter, okay? Um, I'm very curious to hear that. Yeah, I'm like, do I remember this? Yeah, no. All right, Chelsea, let me start with Chelsea. Chelsea had the idea that she, once we retired from Forefront, that she would like to be homeschooled for a, a oh, season. Oh, gracious, yes. Epic mom fail. All right. Epic, mom, <laughs> epic mom fail. Okay, and I'm like, homeschool, all right. She was actually going into <laughs> ninth, grade. Know, ninth grade, yeah. and she wanted to take a year, and I thought, all right, we're, we're moving, opportunity, maybe I can do this. Oh, crud. I don't know algebra. Oh, crap. I don't know any of this stuff. I am going to screw this up. It did not work. I am not a homeschool mom. I am not a homeschool child. It was a <laughs> it did not abysmal work. failure. Abysmal failure. So finally, we found a good school that we enrolled her in. So I'm saying to all those who think there are some ideas that look really noble at the time, you know, if, if you completely butcher it and fail at it, that's Perfectly okay. fine. There were okay. no permanent scars from that. So, oh, good. And, uh, yes, we both learned. We all a lot. make mistakes and we, we move on. It's all good. Yeah, we, <laughs> well, we, and I love that it, it obviously was such a failure that Chelsea went on to become a teacher. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> ironic. Traditional schooling over homeschooling. Yeah, it kind of there is. It kind of is. That's true. Okay. And with Lauren, Lauren wanted to drive a car and be independent so badly. So badly. <laughs> but the one thing Lauren was not, really wasn't great at was when the pressure was on in a testing environment in, you know, time testing. Well, you know, she'd done a great job. She had studied, she had prepared, or we get to the DMV and the clock's ticking on the computer as she's answering the questions. And Let's see how many times, and I did not, I did not prepare you properly for this scenario because we're sitting in this room of a bunch of people staring at you, which made you even more nervous. You know, you're 15 years of age and you're trying to get your permit and you know, you're falling apart and you flunk the test. Multiple times. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Multiple times. Okay. In my defense, that test was terrifying. The screen tells you if you got it wrong or right. So it would be like this happy little green, correct, or this dark red, wrong. <laughs> and 
I knew how many questions I could get wrong before I failed. And every single time I failed on the last question because I was counting, I got nervous. I would basically like close my eyes and just push the last one. Oh, that was bad. Oh, it was horrible. And on the last, I don't know, maybe it was four times before you passed. And somehow I didn't, I did not prepare you right each time. Something, I don't know. But at the last time I literally went into the public restroom and got on my knees and said, God, we cannot go through this again as a family. Please help her pass. So I walk out of the room and Chelsea's on the other side of the room and she sees come up on the computer that you passed. And she went, yeah! (laughs) You know, it was like celebration. But I remember thinking, I can't get her calm enough to handle the silliness of this test. So it was just so important to me that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Switching gears a little bit, something I know you've talked to me about the difference between being mom and being friend and being friends with you. I've seen that that is a successful thing you have done with your daughters. The fact that they would be willing to sit and be interviewed about you (laughs) is proof that you did an okay job. And now you've moved into that season of being um, more friend in your mothering. But can you talk a little bit about why that's important to really, um, have the difference when they're young and kind of under your care in your home. Yeah. I think the most difficult thing is you really, really want your child to like you. You, nobody, nobody wants to be disliked by their child. Nobody wants to be, you know, have your child fling the, I hate you. I want to leave home. I'll never want to see you again. And yet that's kind of part of it as they're coming to age, because they're working out who they want to be. But you're the only person that can have their best interest at heart. You're the one that wants them to be everything they can possibly be. To do that, you can't just be their friend. You have to set the bar for them. You have to say, I know you're capable of being this human and achieving these things. But for you to be able to do it, I have to make demands upon your character. I have to make expectations of your conduct, and then I have to enforce them. And yeah. in, the, in the process, it's not easy because there are times they just get really frustrated with you. But at the end, if you're their mom, you become, you know, I can honestly say my two daughters are two of my best friends in the entire world. I trust them implicitly with my heart of hearts. And that's only because we had the mother-daughter relationship first. Yes, I, I would second that because it is... It's funny because I thought about that recently, just the change in mother-daughter dynamics as you grow up and, you know, and the children become adults and whatnot. But when, you know, you are the child, you know, even though you may want to have, you know, the quote unquote cool mom who lets you do whatever you want and, you know, whatever, like a friend would in any kid's heart of hearts, they you know, they see you as parents and kids want their parents to, you know, set those boundaries and set those, you know, parameters for you and set the rules and, and maintain them because it does make the child feel safe and feel secure and feel like they have that foundation. And, you know, so even though a kid may think, you know, in the moment that they want their parent to be just a cool friend, you know, in their heart of hearts, they want a real parent. But as you grow up, you know, and, and the children become adults, you know, there there is a sort of dynamic shift in that, you know, it does become more of a friend type situation because you can relate on adult level things. Yes, I agree. And I saw somewhere that 
setting boundaries is a grand form of love. And I completely agree with that. And I see with my own child, when I set boundaries, he responds to them in like a way that I can tell he feels safer or cared for or understanding what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And my mom definitely set the boundaries. And she and I had a conversation recently where I said, I think you almost have to set the boundaries like an inch before what you're actually comfortable for with, because all kids are going to push the boundaries, you know, push it just a little bit. So almost set it right before what you're really okay with. (laughs) And then you'll probably end up being all right. And so trying to find those boundaries as a parent now, um, you know, I call my mom often (laughs) to say, Hey mom, how'd you do this? Refresh my memory, you know? Um, but I do think that's a really important point that setting boundaries is a form of love. So one of the cool things about this book, Darlene, which I thought you had a great idea. You're just so smart, um, was to include three chapters for dads. Um, and I get the opportunity to work not just with your mom, um, but also with your dad, which, um, is super fun for me. So I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to talk a little bit about, um, how you've seen your dad live out the three dad roles that um, Dar writes about, master gemologist, stunt coordinator, and bodyguard. Because I think it's really cool that she took a few chapters to speak to um, the dad or the man that might be in um, a daughter's life. And I I know that you guys have a good dad. (laughs) And I also know that (laughs) you're your mom and dad do a really good job of balancing, um, all of their life together. And I'm, I'm sure that that was the case raising you guys. So just chat a little bit about, um, the way they kind of parented as a team and his influence in your life. The good thing with, with our parents is that they recognize that mothers and fathers, you know, do naturally take on different roles. And, you know, there's obviously some circumstances where a mom may not be present or a dad may not be present. And so, you know, the, the other one has to take on almost all the roles, but, you know, being blessed with a mother and a father, they recognize that they, they each had giftings and areas to offer us and that, you know, we might respond to something or listen to something better from our mom or something else better from our dad. Um, and so they kind of let each other, you know, take the wheel in those different areas. So, you know, one particular of the three dad jobs she mentions, um, one that I really appreciate from our father is the master gemologist role, which is just talking about the importance of a father, you know, valuing his daughter, that she has the highest of worth and that, you know, receiving that from a father will really set up a woman's expectations for men in the future and to, you know, to never lower the standard of what they are worth for a man. And so I I think for our father, you know, he really instilled in us that, you know, we are valuable, that we are strong, that we are capable, um, that, you know, we are wonderful just the way God made us and that, you know, we are, are worth, you know, a million dollars and beyond. Um, and I would say me and Lauren are both, you know, very confident and capable to use the tagline, (laughs) Um, (laughs) young, you know, young women. And, um, I attribute a big chunk of that to our father for really building us up and making us believe that we can do anything. And, you know, our mother did the same, but there really is something special about it coming from our dad. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. The three, just to list them off, the three chapters for dads are master gemologist, stunt coordinator, and bodyguard. And my dad absolutely hit every single one of those. 
stunt coordinator, I immediately think of stories my mom would tell when we'd be in the mountains in Gatlinburg, uh-huh. <laughs> and Daddy would let us go right to the edge. Oh, and I dangle you yeah. over the edge. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. And in effect, I jump out of airplanes. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yes, I think what my mom did, though, that was really lovely is she allowed that. She didn't run over and be like, Dan, Dan, don't do that. That's scary. She trusted my dad to you know, do those things with us and do the things that he was comfortable with. Um, and that definitely instilled a bravery in us. And then I think as far as master gemologist, when I think about my dad, I think about instincts. That's one of the first words that comes to my mind when I think about my father. He has great instincts, always has. And I think I've gotten blessed to have some similar instincts and he's always encouraged me to use those and that they, you know, go for it, that they would be Um, a good idea to trust my gut and trust my instinct. And I definitely think that's directly linked to a value that he's instilled in me to believe that, that I have worth to speak those instincts and, um, then bodyguard. Well, you know, any daddy and their girl going on dates, (laughs) that that bodyguard (laughs) comes out and I sure put my dad through that one. Both of you did. (laughs) But yeah, we we have a wonderful dad. And, you know, I think it was a great idea that my mom had to include these chapters and to encourage dads to really, you know, step up and step into these roles because it's of such important value for their daughters. And I know, as Chelsea said, there's some circumstances in which that cannot happen or isn't happening where one parent takes on the stronger role. But I think even in that scenario, they're just good qualities to take on. Maybe somebody who's in that can read them and say, okay, there isn't a dad present, but maybe I can, you know, help encourage these qualities in my situation. And even finding, you know, if there's a trusted male in a mom's life, you know, maybe an uncle or a grandfather, you know, that, that even they can hand this book to that man, you know, if, if there's someone that can play almost that father type role in a daughter's life. Um, you know, if her father is not present, it's definitely made, uh, to be handed to an influential man in a young girl's life. You're right. Even if, you know, you are raising a daughter without, um, her dad or a man in her life. Um, what Chelsea said is absolutely true. You find somebody that you can trust, um, and allow them to have the space to speak these types of qualities into them. Um, and I think at the same time you read them and you figure out how to be that, um, for her until, um, or if God doesn't bring a man into her life to do that. So, um, just the wisdom of including those, I think was really good on your part. Um, Darlene. So definitely appreciate that. All right. Well, here's my last question and it's a little bit out of left field and you know, whatever, that's how I roll. Um, your mom has written this book, go mom, do you want to give her any just words of encouragement about that? Absolutely. Um, the first thing I would say is that I am grateful that she took on the calling that God put on her heart to do this because she felt for a long time the the desire and the the vision to write this book many, many years ago. And she worked so hard on it for years. And anything that she does, she wants to do it excellently. And she does not... Uh, want to screw it up. She wants it to be right. And she wants it to be what God wants it to be. And so I just 
give her infinite kudos that everything she takes on, she takes on with grit and grace, 100%. <laughs> oh, Julie loves her. <laughs> Hashtag grit and grace life. Um, that is what I'm talking about. Yes, I'm here for it. I don't even have Twitter. Um, but yes, but I really, I, I just admire her um, tenacity, her favorite word, um, to not give up, even when she have writer's block. And even when, you know, she wasn't sure what direction to take the book, she just kept at it. So awesome, mom. Kudos Thank to you. you <laughs> I think I see that my mom and I are similar and we're both kind of behind the scenes, especially at this point in our life. And it's comfortable to be behind the scenes. It's natural. It's where we fit. It's where we excel. And so my mom putting herself out there in this way, knowing her as I do, she would only do this. <laughs> Similar to me being on this podcast, would only do this <laughs> because she really feels led to do it. And it's something important. And, um, you know, I've heard her say before, and I completely agree that if there's even one person in the world that is touched by this or brought something by this or can implement it in their life in a positive way that it was worth it. Um, and I just think that's a beautiful quality because she really cares about the people she may be able to reach. And I've watched that care turn into action in, you know, releasing the book in grit and grace and all the different platforms that she's started to reach women with this message she feels very strongly about. Um, so I'm really proud of her. Oh, thank very you. Very thankful for you. Oh, and, and I'm actually appreciative of the fact that my two daughters, who are very private humans, they're very, mm -hmm. they're, they love their family, they love their world, allowed me to tell stories of their lives <laughs> and drag them into this room today to be part of this podcast um, because they believe in what's being done here. So Absolutely. thank you, girls. Yeah. Well, and in addition, I think we've grown to really trust you. You know, oh, we, when did that? True. What year did that turn? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do. I, tr I trust my mama. Yeah, maybe, maybe in my twenties. But <laughs> no, mm -hmm. I do very much so. And I, you know, I trust your gut and your instincts, and I'm on board to follow on this wild parade. <laughs> yeah. And for all those moms out there with teenagers right now or preteens, I'm going to tell you, just plan on being dumb as a rock for about <laughs> seven years. And when they get to being 20, you get smart all of a sudden. It's That's very right. amazing. Yeah. It's very true. I distinctly yeah. remember thinking my mom knew nothing. And then <laughs> somewhere in my 20s when I was in L.A., I was calling her like, Mom, you know everything. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> So she's written this book, Raising Great Girls, Help for Moms to Raise Confident, Capable Daughters, Perfection Not Required. What's another topic that you think your mom, in all of her glorious spare time, let's laugh about that, <laughs> what is the next topic you think she should write about? Because we're going to make her write more books. I would say, you know, this obviously, this current book is geared toward mothers raising daughters, obviously, but I think my mom, beyond just being an awesome mom, she she is an incredibly strong woman. So I think that her authoring a book about being a strong woman in every area of your life and, um, you know, really fulfilling your, your purpose and, and reaching your potential and all those things that we all strive to do. I think that she is gifted and passionate about that. And I think that so many women look up to her and really want to model um, her character and her actions and, and the way that she lives her life. So I think, you know, a book uh, really just 
focusing, especially today in, in, you know, our very woman focused culture right now, I think she can speak so much wisdom into that and, and just helping women to be, um, strong and beautiful on the inside. Um, and just really building up their character to be successful in life, um, and make a difference in this world. Man, I feel like I got my girl snowed. <laughs> Not at all. We, we see you for who you are. I agree with Chelsea. That was very similar to what I was going to say. I think my mom has a very interesting perspective on being a strong woman, where there's a femininity to it at the same time that there is a sheer strength. Um, and it's almost contradictory, but necessary to really accomplish it in a beautiful way. So writing a book... You know, if you venture out and do another one, that might be a good take. Well, this is where I uh, show my talent in knowing the content at the Grit and Grace Project. So until Dar has, you know, that the 15 minutes it would take for her to write that book, I'm going to put in the show notes three articles that came to mind that your mom has already written that speak to, you know, that that sweet spot. She really is great at encouraging women to find their strength. I mean, that's literally why she started the grit and grace project. And that's why we're here now at this grit and grace life podcast. Um, one of her most popular on the site, uh, articles that kind of speaks to that is true beauty is found in a woman's strength. So I'll link to that one in the show notes. The other one would be, how do I know what defines me? That one would be huge to someone who's hearing this concept and thinking, yeah, I probably could use some encouragement in this area. That one will be really helpful. And one that kind of really speaks to, we've mentioned that culturally right now, this topic is huge, women and their strength and their importance and, you know, how to find that femininity yet still be strong. And so I love the one you wrote, do women need to be empowered to be strong? And so I'll link to all three of those in the show notes. And of course we will link to the Amazon order, um, to get raising great girls ASAP either for yourself. Maybe you want to get it for a friend, maybe for the baby shower gift that you might be attending sometime soon. Um, because we know that this book will be encouraging to you, mama, if you happen to be raising great girls right now. Anything else you ladies want to say before we close this mother down, pun intended? I would just say at the the last three words on the cover of this book, perfection not required. I just think that can't be emphasized enough that, you know, as my mom opened the show with, that we, no one on planet Earth is perfect. And obviously then that um, is inclusive of mothers. And so, you know, I think nowadays, I know you've, you did a podcast previously about, you know, just the pressures on, on mothers and mom shaming and all of that, that unfortunately exists. I'm just being reminded and that you are not going to do it perfect and no other mom's going to do it perfect, but you just do your best and you love your kids and it's all good. At the end of the day, they probably won't remember half of it anyway. So it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's funny. I remember seeing something uh, with the episode that Chelsea was just talking about that said every mom is doing something right. And I really liked that because it's true. If you can look for the positive in what others are doing, I think that it really just, it's a healthy thing to do. Okay, for me, girls, it's been, and I'm saying girls collectively, including Julie Graham, um, (laughs) it's been a really great day. I just am so appreciative of my daughters and want to tell them individually, Chelsea, and Lauren, I am thankful that you are here. And, you know, when when I 
first had a girl and then another girl, I thought I was going to horribly fail and you would hate me the rest of your life. And now I'm kind of happy that God gave me two daughters and you are so precious to me. So thank you for being part of today's uh, podcast. Well, thank you for having us. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't miss it for the world. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes, guys, thank you so much for offering your behind the scenes of what it was like being raised with real grit and grace by the one and only Darlene Brock. Well, thanks for spending part of your quality family time with us together um, today. And I hope that as you listen to the show, you have already added the book to your cart. But again, if not, we'll make it super easy for you to grab it in the show notes. Because I listen to the show, I know you guys always end with a quote. So I would like to quote my mom. In her book, in the coach section, it says, instead of trying to be like everyone else, why not be exactly who your daughter needs? You. Well, see, friends, wasn't that so, so fun? You're totally going to forgive me for talking to you from my closet. (laughs) So now that the book is out, we want to celebrate in a couple different ways because I know you're going to want to read the whole thing now, right? We want to give you an opportunity to get a free chapter download from Raising Great Girls right now. So head on over to the Grit and Grace Project online magazine and all the details on how you can get that free chapter are there. But even better, if you're looking for a free copy of the book, we'll be giving away 10 copies through our social media between now and August 28th, which P.S. happens to be our birthday. So if you want to win one of those 10 copies, you can take a screenshot as you're listening to this episode and be sure to either tag our page, The Grit and Grace Project, or Darlene's author pages. And we'll know you've done it if you use our hashtags, hashtag Grit and Grace Life and hashtag Raising Great girls. So do that. Tag your friends. Let everyone know about the opportunity to get a copy of the free book or hey, just go buy a few copies and give it to all of your grit and grace girlfriends. Well, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. Take a few minutes and head over to iTunes to rate and review the show so more people can find us and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an upcoming episode. If you can think of a friend who could benefit from this episode or the show in general, please be sure to share us with her. And for all the details on today's episode, find the show notes by heading to thegritandgraceproject.org. You can follow us on social so you miss nothing that we're sharing throughout the week on all things living a grit and grace life. We'll catch you on the next one.